I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. In this talk, we continue our three-week teaching series, Who, where we look at three different people in the bloodline of Christ that you might be surprised to find there. This week, Eric unpacks the life of Rahab and shows us how fascinating her story was and how God still used it to glorify him and his love. Who, you might ask? Rahab? She was in the bloodline of Christ? Join us as we look at Rahab and her journey, and we continue our series, Who? You know, Christmas is crazy. It's fun, but it is certainly a crazy thing. And as you've already seen, it doesn't always bring out the best in people. You know what I mean? I came across an article in USA Today that I wanted to share with you guys. Because apparently, while many of us are out taking care of our holiday shopping, it seems that there are many individuals who are picking up their gifts with the five-finger discount, if you know what I mean. As a matter of fact, USA Today reports that one out of every 11 shoppers now walks out of the store with a stolen item. And that this year alone, stores are going to lose $119 billion because of shoplifters. And that 75% of shoplifters are now adults with jobs. So what exactly is everybody taking? Well, the report came out and actually shared the top five items that are being stolen this year, and it gets a little bizarre. You ready to hear about these items? Here's number five on the list. It's Chanel number five. Expensive perfume because you can never get enough of number five, I guess. Not my favorite, but apparently it's a hot item. Here's the fourth more stolen item. It's Let's Rock Elmo. And apparently this is the hot gift of the year, and I have no idea how people make it out of the store with this thing, but apparently a lot of people are pulling it off. Here's the third most stolen item. It's Gillette razors. And if you use throwaway razors, you know how expensive these things actually are. I remember several years ago, I had a friend who whenever I wouldn't shave, he'd throw a few dollars at me and say, what is it, too expensive to shave these days? And it actually is too expensive to shave now, and that's why these things are flying off the shelves. Here's the second most stolen item. It's the electric toothbrush. And at least people are fighting cavities. That's good, right? Here's the number one most stolen item. It's filet mignon. It's actually meat. And according to the report, it said so many people are tucking choice cuts of meats under their jackets that supermarkets are now considered the stores with the most theft. See, people do crazy things this time of the year, and you probably already have your own stories about that. But what makes Christmas Christmas is that it's about people, crazy people, normal people, and all other kinds of people. Christmas is Christmas Because it's about people. Kind of like that very first Christmas. It was about people. Joseph, Mary, the baby Jesus, shepherds, 
wise men. See, when it comes to the story of Christmas, we love to focus on the cute baby and the adoring parents and the shepherds who came who were surprised and shocked at everything that was happening around them. And the wise men who came to offer up gifts to worship this newborn king. We love to think about all of that. But before that, there was a list of people. It's Jesus and his family. And God doesn't hide any of those individuals from us. And it's an interesting list. It's unique. And here's why. It's unique because in this list, there are all kinds of people who are not perfect. As a matter of fact, not only are they not perfect, they're not even close. There are some individuals here that when this would have been read back in the day and they would have discovered, wow, this is the line of Christ and this is his family, they would have looked at that list and they would have known some of the names, they would have known some of the stories, they would have heard about some of the stories, and they would have said, who? That individual is in there? That guy? That girl? Are you kidding me? It's kind of like going to your 20-year high school reunion and discovering that the most unlikeliest of individuals is the most successful person. And you're like, him? Her? Who? And don't look at me like that because I know you guys do this stuff too. This is the story of Jesus and his family. The who individual that we're going to talk about today is a girl by the name of Rahab. And there is so much that we're going to learn and discover about her life. Here's our big idea. This Christmas, do something great. And this is what we discover from her. This is what we learn that in this moment, in this time, that you can actually do something great. In Matthew chapter 1, we find this amazing list of individuals. And here's what verse 1 says. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was from, from the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron was the father of Ram. And last week, we talked about Judah and Tamar and how Judah needed a good dose of humility. Now, I've got to talk to the first hour here because last week, I spelled out humility for you several times. And when I did that, I misspelled it every single time. So talk about humbling. You guys feel free to throw something at me when I do stuff like that. That's Judah. That's Tamar. We learned all about them last week. And again, Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. And then verse 4 says, Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, who was the mother, or whose mother was Rahab. And this is our individual. There she is. And from that family, we discover all the way down in verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, 
who is called the Messiah. Now, here's the quick story and the deal with Rahab. Rahab lived in a city called Jericho. And Jericho was a fantastic city. It had a huge wall that surrounded it and kept it safe. As a matter of fact, if you were looking for a home back in the day, you would want to go to Jericho and buy there. If you pulled out a real estate book, you would discover that this is an amazing city. Everything is here. Great schools. Taxes are a bit high. But look at the walls. I mean, they are incredible. And if anybody wants to come and do hurtful things to us, we will be safe in this city. So let's buy here. And a lot of people did that. And this is where we find Rahab and her family living. God's people were getting ready to invade this city because God wanted them to have it. And so God's people sent in a couple of spies to kind of check out the city. And they went in to make sure that they knew what they were getting themselves into once they invaded. And after they checked everything out, they landed at Rahab's house. That's where they stayed. And so some of the important officials in the city got wind that there were spies in their town. And they knew exactly where to go. They knew that if there were visitors in town, and if those visitors were men, they're going to be at Rahab's house. And here's why they knew that. Here's what we know about Rahab. Rahab had an occupation. She did. We find her story in the book of Joshua. And I actually want to begin to read from Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, because it helps us to understand a little bit about Rahab and her occupation and why the officials in the town would immediately go to her house. So here's verse 1. It says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Akasia Grove. And he instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And they stayed there that night. Some people are defined by their occupations. What they do describes them and it identifies them and it drives all of their conversations. This is normally one of the first things that we do when we talk to people. We ask them, what is it that you do? It's not an unusual question. A couple of weeks ago, I was at BYC, and I met a guy who had just moved into the area. And so we chit-chatted for a little bit, and I asked him, what is it that you do? And he's an IT guy, and his new job brought him into this area, and he's just checking things out. And after we talked a little bit more, he eventually asked, what is it that you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. That's what I do. Now, imagine sitting down with Rahab and having this conversation. I mean, it gets a little awkward, don't you think? Hey, Rahab, what is it that you do? What does she say? How does she respond to that? Scripture tells us that her name is Rahab the prostitute. Her name, her occupation actually becomes part of her last name. It is something that identifies her. She's not known as Rahab the Great or Rahab the Engineer or Rahab the Barista or Rahab the CEO. She's known as Rahab the Prostitute. 
something else we discover about Rahab. And that is she had an occupation and everybody knew it. Now let's define everybody. Everybody, like the whole city, knew exactly who Rahab was and they knew exactly what she did. And that's why the king, when he found out that there were people in his city, he immediately went to Rahab's house and he knocked on the door and he said, Rahab, we know who you are and we know there's men inside. We want them out here. And here's how we know that. We find it in verse 2. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Now again, sending in spies was a normal thing in biblical times. They did this a lot to check out what was happening so they would know what they were getting themselves into. And actually, staying at an innkeeper's house or a prostitute's house was a good place for spies to meet because there was so much traffic, nobody would ever know. Except in this town and in this city, everybody knew Rahab. And so when they discovered that there were spies, they knew that they were hanging out in her house. And so these spies have a bit of a problem. Verse 4 says, Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. And then verse 6 says, Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Now let's just pause here for a moment and ask the obvious question. What does all of this have to do with Christmas, right? And we've got prostitutes and spies, exactly what is going on here. Well, this has a lot to do with Christmas, And here's why. Rahab, she's part of the family. Rahab the prostitute is in God's family, and he doesn't hide anything about her. And so what I want to do is I want to share some Christmas next steps, some stuff that all of us can do as we walk out of here based on the life and the story of Rahab. And as we do that, we're going to unpack the rest of her story as well. So here's next step number one. This Christmas, ask God for something. And beyond all the stuff that we might receive, ask God for something. What is the something that you need from God during this season? I mean, think about Rahab for a moment. Who? Rahab? Rahab had a nickname. Rahab was someone who probably got the look just about everywhere that she went. Rahab was probably shunned by the religious establishment of her day. Rahab ran a successful business, but yet she wasn't satisfied with that. She wanted more, but didn't exactly know what more was. 
Rahab was probably a very lonely individual. Rahab may have been the most unlikeliest of individuals to ask God for anything. When you consider her life and what she does and what she's involved in, she might be the furthest person from God possible. And yet she's not afraid to leave the familiar and start a new journey. Rahab knew that God was about to do something amazing in that city and she didn't want to miss out. And so she asks God for something. Even though she's the most unlikeliest of individuals, even though she should be running far from God because of who she is and what she does, she actually comes right in and asks for something significant that changes the course of her life. How do we know this? Here's what verse 8 says. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. And keep in mind, this is a safe city, huge walls. They should be good to go, but they're living in terror. Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. This is Rahab making this statement. Who? It's Rahab. Rahab the prostitute is the one saying, all right, I recognize it. I get it. Your God is the supreme God and he is incredible. See, at some point in this story, Rahab just gets it. I mean, it makes sense to her. The clue phone was kind of ringing and she picked it up. And she got that God is God and that he is to be respected and feared and trusted. What she heard about God led her to a place where she completely trusted in him on her own. What she heard about God caused her to make this huge decision in her life. And this was a huge risk, a huge risk for her. I was actually reading in Hammurabi's code throughout the week because Hammurabi's code was something that Rahab would have lived by. And there's a very interesting law that talks about the risk that she took to do all of this, to hide the spies, to protect them, and then to trust in God and recognize that he is the God. Huge risk because here's what the law says. If scoundrels plot together in an innkeeper's house and she does not seize them, and bring them to the palace, that innkeeper shall be put to death. See, the code didn't stop her at all. And here's what she did. She made a choice to ask God for something. Let's define something. And I think you can describe it like this. It's a choice that either breaks a cycle or changes the direction of your life and the life of your family for generations. This is what it means to ask God for something. It's not about stuff. It's not about making life easier. It's about breaking a habit or a cycle in my life and changing the direction of my life, and by doing that, the life of my family for generations to come. This is the choice that Rahab made. Check this out, verse 12. Now swear to me, 
by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. And with that something that she asked God for, with that something, she changed the trajectory of her life and the life of her family. And it was a very good change. Think about this for a moment. God actually rescued Rahab and her family because of her faith. Not their faith, but because of her faith and the choice she made to change a cycle that put her on a whole new trajectory, a whole new path. It changed her family for generations. Let me ask you this. Are you unhappy with your life? Just unhappy with that and not too sure about the path that you're traveling? Are you fearful of the future and what could happen there? Do you sense that you'd like to make a change in your life? Do you want more but you don't exactly know what more is or even how to chase that or get after that? Do you sense that you can't ask God for anything at all because he's too far, he's too distant, or you sense you're too far and you're too distant? This Christmas, ask God for something. It's not arrogant. It's not obnoxious. If Rahab the prostitute can pull this off and change her life, and the life of her family for generations, certainly you can do the same thing. Next step, number two. This Christmas, develop your character. See, Rahab chose God. And here's the amazing thing about that. With God, it's not who you were that matters. It's not. It's who you are becoming. It's not who you were that matters. It's who you are becoming. So the question today is, who are you becoming? I mean, if you took a long, hard look in the mirror, how would you answer that? What would you say that you are becoming in life? What would your spouse say about that? How would your kids answer that question? See, Rahab made this amazing choice and God smiled at her because it's not about what you were, it's about who you are becoming. But here's the challenge with that. It is so easy to look good on the outside, isn't it? I mean, we can fool a lot of people and we can pretend that everything is okay out here and people may believe that. So I guess the real question is, what's happening on the inside? Who are you becoming on the inside? Are you going places that you shouldn't go on the inside? Are you prostituting yourself for unworthy and unholy causes on the inside? See, here's something scripture tells us about the inside of all of us. It's very unique. It talks about the heart. And scripture says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could even know how bad it is? Reality is God knows. And so the only solution, the only thing to do 
is for us to run to God just like Rahab and develop our character because it's not who you were that matters to God. It's who you are becoming. And this is for all of us. I mean, we might not have some of Rahab's issues in life, but developing our character on the outside and on the inside is for all of us. So who are you becoming? Here's what happens to Rahab. Joshua chapter 6, verse 23. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. And they moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Who? Rahab? Are you kidding me? How in the world does she end up in the family line of Jesus? I mean, when you consider what she's done and some of the things that she was involved in, this is absolutely not possible. But this is the beautiful thing about God. He takes unexpected people and he pulls off the amazing in their lives. So for Rahab, she asked God for something and it changed her life and the life of her family for generations to come. And you can make that same kind of choice today. You can break cycles, and you can put yourself on a whole new path that will change everything for you and those who follow you and those who look to you. That's what Rahab did. And then she made the choice to just develop her character on the outside and on the inside. And God saved her. And her mother and her father and brothers and sisters and their whole family because of her faith. And Rahab lands in the list that we find in Matthew chapter 1. Who? Unexpected people. That's Rahab. That's you. That's me. That's us. So this Christmas, in this moment, this year, don't waste any more time. Don't waste more time. Do something great like Rahab. Rahab. Who? She's the point of the story. Father, we come to you and we are so grateful for some of these individuals that we find in Scripture that have very unique lives, different lives. God, sometimes I think if these people were in our family, we would probably hide them and we wouldn't want anybody to discover some of their character and some of the issues. But yet you're God and you're holy and you're perfect and you're amazing and you chose not to hide anything at all. And so today we had the opportunity to look at this girl and her name's Rahab. And God, as you looked at her and as you talk about her, it's not what she used to do. It's what she started to become that really mattered to you. And God, it's the same for us. And so I just pray that as we continue to worship you now and respond to you and your greatness, that you would speak to us. 
God, we're all who? Individuals. We have to place ourselves in the story. Maybe we're doing things we shouldn't be doing and going places and all of that. God, you, you know. You know our hearts. And so I pray like Rahab, you'd help us to come to you this Christmas and ask you for something. God, that's going to be different for every person in this room. But give us the courage and the strength to identify that something that we need. Maybe it's to trust in you alone for the very first time. Maybe it's to stop just trying to do everything without you and invite you back into the driver's seat in our life so that you can take complete control. Maybe it's being more consistent in our own worship time with you and not neglecting you throughout the week. Maybe it's leading our family in a more intentional way to honor you and to love you and to serve you, God. That something's going to be different for everybody. But help us to chase that now. And then, God, the thing that is for all of us is that we need to develop our character. You want this for us this Christmas. So help us to do that on the outside, but also on the inside where nobody sees. Nobody but you. God, I pray for everybody in this room that you would help us just to wrap our minds and our arms and our lives around doing something great for you this Christmas. God, you can do it. We ask for that in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.